Joining us on the line, our resident economist, Andrew Pyle from the Pyle Group, Scotia Wealth Management. Andrew, how are you this morning? Oh, we're not doing too bad, John and Mel. Now, what about you guys? Are you working from home? Uh, how, is everyone working from home at the Pyle Group? Uh, no, we're kind of doing some rotations. We're open for business, so the office is open. I'll be in there in an hour or so. And uh, what we're doing for support staff is uh, for those that uh, don't feel comfortable to come in, uh, they can work from home. Otherwise, if people want to rotate, they can do that. And if they want to come in, uh, like I do every day, they can do that as well. So for now, it's uh, business as usual. Let's uh, take a look at what's happening, um, certainly from a national standpoint, but I, I also have to ask about what it's happening globally. Uh, you know, Justin Trudeau announced us all kinds of government fixes, spending some money, uh, putting some money uh, aside to spend on trying to make up for the losses that uh, COVID-19 has already put it, uh, on the working people in our country. It sounds like a lot of spending. Is this going to hurt us down the line? I don't think so, John. I think what governments, uh, and, and we've talked about this before, I think in general, when we look globally, and even Canada and the States, governments were probably very late in to, late at the game in addressing the severity of this issue. Everyone knew about the virus, but I don't think people really realized the acute impact it was going to have on the economy. And, and it, you'll, you'll see a lot of data out there, and I know our listeners, John, they're going, to, they're going to hear a lot of very, very ugly economic numbers in the weeks to come. People are talking about, for example, Canada's unemployment rate doubling uh, this quarter or the U.S. unemployment rate. So they're going to be very, there's going to be a lot of negative numbers out there, largely because this isn't a typical recession. We're not talking about a recession that just kind of landed on our doorstep out of nowhere. How do we deal with this? We can kind of gradually pick away at it, you know, spend some money from a government point of view, cut rates. This is really a orchestrated, forced recession. Actually, we're forcing the economy to stop. And I think what governments realized last week um, is that this was going to be very sharp, very quick, and therefore their responses had to be such. So we saw some you know, incredible numbers last week, John. I mean, we saw the Bank of Canada cutting interest rates back to 0.25%, basically zero. Uh, fiscal spending is over $200 billion dollars. And they say they could do more. And then we saw the Bank of Canada also announcing it was going to be buying all types of securities to provide liquidity in the market. So this was really unprecedented because the actual situation is unprecedented. So how does Canada and these other countries make up the money that they're spending? I mean, they're going to have to, many of them are probably going to have to borrow. Well, exactly. And it's interesting when you look at some of the programs, John, some of this is, is direct spending. In other words, you know, money that will add to the deficit. Uh, and likely remain in the deficit or become part of debt over time. Uh, some of the stimulus measures or rescue measures are in the form of loans, which theoretically will come back into the government coffers and not necessarily represent a huge increase in debt. Um, but the really interesting thing is we're, you know, coming into this situation, we had interest rates near generational lows. In other words, bond yields, uh, you know, at 1% or lower. So the governments have an opportunity, obviously, to borrow at a very, very cheap rate for 5, 10, 30-plus years, um, which will dampen the impact on fiscal constraints down the road. Um, some clients have asked me, John, you know, is this going to create in hyperinflation? They're thinking back to the 70s. Um, and I would say no, because, I mean, our biggest challenge has really been how do we get inflation to go up in the world? Um this stimulus will cause some inflation down the road, but I don't think 
we're going to see hyperinflation. I don't see interest rates skyrocketing, uh, which, again, is another concern I hear most often when they talk about these government packages. Um, so I think it's one of those situations where the government has no choice but to do this, but they're also dealing with an environment which is probably more accepting than had we gone back a few decades. Mm. It'll be interesting to see what happens when this is all said and done. Of course, we'll be checking in with you regularly. How long do you think it will take uh, once once we're clear of COVID-19? How long do you think it will take for us to get back on our feet economically? You know, I've been telling people, John, that uh, I, I don't think this is going to take us a year from that point oh. um, for certain things to get back to normal. So the first question, obviously, people ask me when they see me on the street is, when is the stock market going to get back to where it was? Um, it could very well be at the levels that we were at uh, prior to the, the impact of the virus, you know, well within a year. For the economy and parts of the economy, John, it's hard to say. I, you know, I think if we can see the curve flattening as we get into June, uh, I think the summer you'll start to see a decent pickup in the economy. But getting back, for example, employment, uh, you know, that could easily take a year. And there's going to be a lot of businesses, unfortunately, John, that uh, aren't going to survive this. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as we're putting, you know, everything but the kitchen sink in those businesses from a government point of view, some may not. But I would think by the time we get to the end of the summer, people are going to see a, a diff- obviously a different economy, a better economy. People will be back to work. Um, and in the markets, I mean, last week, John, was a, you know, a, a good week for the markets. Mm-hmm. I mean, the TSX, even though we had a really bad Friday, was still up 7%. I mean, think of that when you and I would talk normally. You know, if I said the market was up 7% in a week, what on earth happened? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were up 7% after a 5% drop on Friday, believe it or not. So, uh, you know, a little bit of green shoots from last week uh, to go with the sunshine that we saw yesterday. Well, that's good news. Uh, certainly a better outlook than I was thinking. I really appreciate that. It's a good way to start the week, Andrew. There we go. Andrew, folks, have any more questions? Want to follow up? I know that you're doing a lot to uh, get information out to people. Yeah, exactly. We've actually started doing a regular uh, conference call every Thursday just to keep people in the loop, what's happening in the markets, the economy, um, ideas that we we have going forward. Um, So we're doing that every Thursday now, John, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We're still doing a newsletter on Friday. Um, People have any questions, they can just come to our website at pilegroup.ca and uh, all of our contact information is there. Andrew Pyle from uh, Pyle Group, Scotia Wealth Management, thank you so much for joining us on Talk of the Town. My pleasure, John and Mel. You have a great week.